0: journey. You know, a few, few years ago, my parents made the transition to a retirement center, the independent living side of it, and, and uh, they did the whole downsizing thing, and they had lived in the same house for over 20 years, so you can imagine, you know, just accumulate a lot of stuff when, when you live there that long. So one weekend I went up and helped my dad go go through the whole garage and uh, we took multiple trips to like Goodwill and Salvation Army as well as the landfill, just clearing house, getting rid of junk, stuff that you hang on that you might need someday, but actually you got to let go. And one of the hardest things, well the last thing and by far the hardest thing that my dad had to let go of were his tools. You know, and, and he had saved them to the very end and was going to hand them off to me. So, so that weekend, after we had taken all the trips to the dump and stuff, we, we, he opened up his toolboxes and he started to, to go through the tools with me. And it was great because he would like tell me what each tool was and what it was used for. And you know, he would like say, David, you know, it's, it's time you learn this here's a hammer. And I would like... <laughs> break out my handy-dandy notebook and write hammer, you know, and then he would say, now this, this here's a nail puller, and I'd be like, whoa, wait a minute, hammer puts it in, nail puller pulls it out, you know, and it just went, went through the whole series like that, it was kind of like an intro to shop class, in fact, it, it felt a lot, lot like this cartoon that, that I recently saw, there it is, School for the Man- Mechanically Declined. Oh, I thought it was a lot more funny than that, but geez, hard, hard crowd. Now, one thing about my dad, he worked for over 30 years um, in the surgery department at Mail Clinic, and his, his job was to order and gather all the equipment needed for all the surgeries done at the mail Clinic. So he would meet with the different people necessary. He would meet with doctors to find out what they need and meet with the different companies to... Place those orders. So he would he would gather everything from microscopes to scalpels to sutures to machines. Anything that is used in a surgery, uh, he was the guy that acquired it and got it to the doctors. And as a kid, I thought it was great to visit his office because I would show up and on his desk, there'd be like artificial veins laying there and heart valves and replacement parts for knees and hips. And I'd get to play with it. And over there, there'd be spark plugs for defibrillators, all this cool stuff laying around in his office. And, and from time to time, the, the demo tools that the sales reps would bring into my dad, uh, he, would, he would bring home he would bring home these demo tools or discarded tools and they would end up in his toolbox. So this in in his tools he would have these like finely crafted needle nose pliers called hemostats and he would have scalpels in there and he would have all this crazy stuff and this this exquisitely you know precision instruments would be laying in there next to the hammers and stuff. And as he's going through this toolbox, you know, he's pointing this stuff out to me and, you know, what it was used in surgery and how he uses it now. And he'd be like, David, this is, a, this is used for bowel retraction, but you probably won't need that. And I was like, well, you never know, Dad. I am going into ministry. But and it, was, it was kind of this fun uh, little time that we had in the afternoon in that garage as he's explaining all these tools to me, you know. And as I looked at him, you know, each one of these tools that he had was made for just one specific purpose and one specific part of a full, uh, you know, a full surgery procedure. They were designed for that purpose and used for that purpose. And I thought about that, and the same holds true for us as believers and as disciples of Jesus. We were designed by the master craftsman, God himself, and made for a purpose— That the Bible Calls Ministry. Today, we we wrap up our series of sermons that we've entitled, Called Disciples Who Make Disciples. And we've been looking at these practices or or guardrails that keep us as a church running down the disciple-making lane. So just by way of review, way back in week one, we looked at the idea that we first need to be a disciple ourselves before we ever talk about making disciples. Then in week two, we we learned that a disciple-making church helps people find Jesus and walk with Jesus. Our third guardrail was was this idea of how important it is for us to connect with other people within the church family. Week four was about the the idea that a disciple-making church is most effective when we function together as a team. And last week, the fifth guardrail, Justin challenged us towards uh, pursuing spiritual maturity. But after your sermon introduction last week, I really questioned whether I should have asked you to preach on that subject or not, but did a good job. (laughs) Well, today, today is our last guardrail, and it's simply that we are made for ministry. Making disciples is for all of us. So we're going to be back in Ephesians chapter 4 today, and as we, as we look at this idea of stepping into our role of ministry. So let, let me read for you uh, Ephesians 4, starting in verse 7. It says, to each, one, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And down to verse 11. So Christ Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. As I look at that text today, the first thing that really stands out is that all of us, every one of us, is gifted for growth. And it comes from from God's grace, it tells us. You know, grace has been given. And when I first think about grace, you know, I think about our saving grace and and the grace that God gives us to bring us into his family. But the word grace here really is more about an ability or an empowering that God gives us to serve in these different areas of giftedness. He empowers us for a task. And God has given each one of us as believers a spiritual gift and why does he do that towards what end well to build his church and this grace enables us to to minister with the gifts that Christ has given us now we need to kind of differentiate between natural abilities abilities and spiritual gifts and granted it can be fuzzy at times and and there might be some overlap but all of us are born with natural abilities you you might be mechanical and you just think in mechanical terms that can fix stuff and put stuff together or or you might be artistic and and have this ability to draw or to write and to, to create beautiful works of art you might be athletic and just have skill in different sports, or you might be musical, you know, and can utilize those type of things. And can you use those natural abilities to glorify God? Absolutely. But Scripture also tells us that each of us, as believers, are, have at least one spiritual gift. And a spiritual gift is this a God-given ability. And he gives it to serve him, to serve others, and as we do, it glorifies Christ. And when we do that, when we serve in those areas of giftedness, believers are strengthened, the lost are saved, and his church grows. Really, these spiritual gifts are tools to build Christ's church, to build his church and to further its gospel impact. So all of us, we all have a tool that kind of tool in our toolbox. You know, when I read verse 7 of Ephesians 4, as I studied it this week, you know, I, I just made it personal. And as I read it, it's, it's, just, it's a good way to say it or to practice it and read it as, but to me, grace has been given, just as Christ apportioned it. And God gave gifts to me, to you, so, it's not this abstract, just out there, but it's talking about each of us as believers. Now, as you think about spiritual gifts and as you look at it in Scripture, there's different lists in different places throughout Scripture. There's not only here in Ephesians 4 that we're looking at today, but Romans chapter 12, you can read about it, and also 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it really points out and shows us how these gifts are given for the purpose of strengthening the church. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it says this in verse 1, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Then in verse 4, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And then verse 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So here in 1 Corinthians 12 and in our text today from Ephesians 4, it points out the reason for the gift, why God gives them. It's not for personal satisfaction, it's not for our reputation, but they're given to enrich the life of the church. They're given for service of others within the church. So these are ways that that God utilizes to, to equip the church family so that we can serve the church family. In other words, we are equipped with these gifts to equip others. I had a big aha moment in my Christian walk uh, early on in my ministry, you know, when I realized that spiritual gifts are really other-centered. They're they're not about me. They're not about me just becoming a better leader or a better person, but they are given to help develop other people in their walk with Jesus. So in order to step into those giftedness and sort of step into that, we need to stay connected with people's lives. We need to step into people's lives and have that interaction, that connectedness within the church family. And the ultimate spot, you know, to be at in life is is where you as a person are connected with your spiritual gifts, but also connected with other people. When all those merge together, man, that's a beautiful place to be because you know that this is exactly where God wants you to be. But for me, I, I had to take, it, it took me time to realize that. I had to try different areas of, of ministry. You know, early, in, early back in my Christian walk, like in the early 90s, taking a spiritual gift test was kind of the thing. And you would literally, like, you know, go, go through a test, check the boxes, and the idea was that after you take the test, you knew exactly where you were to serve, and everything was, you know, clear from then on. Well, I took it, but it was still kind of fuzzy afterwards. So for me, I just had to uh, try different areas. Now, those tests can be helpful to maybe give you a generality of like this area you can kind of explore. But for me, like early in my college, at Bible college, um, I was required to do an internship. And this church up in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, they had a need for a weekend youth minister. So I utilized that as my, my internship. And I would drive up on Saturday mornings, spend the weekend doing some youth stuff, and I, and I realized that at that point in my life, I just had no idea how high schoolers think or act or why they do what they do. So was it okay? Yep, it was okay, but I realized that, yeah, high school ministry is probably not my thing. You know, it went okay, but not my passion. And then, and then in um, my second year of college, um, I signed up and was on the, the church camp team. So we would travel to different church camps around the Midwest. And I spent like 10 weeks of that summer doing the church camp thing. Everything from leading worship to teaching to being a family group leader to spending time in the dorms, you know, making sure the kids don't run out at night. and after that summer i was exhausted and just realized that i value sleep too much and i need a little quiet time every day to recharge so like yeah that that was good but it wasn't my thing you know and and then then there was a need to do children's ministry at one of the church that i served at they they had a need for vacation bible school and i i told that story here a few weeks ago how i stepped in to help with preschoolers and you know what I, i had a lot of fun and you know what made it fun is that I can just like goof off for a couple of hours, it was four to five days, and then I could send them home, and it was a great thing. You know? And I realized that, yeah, that, that's okay. But, but like, like my dad kind of going through that toolbox with me and explaining what each one does, I had to experiment with different kind of tools, as it were. I had to learn how they were working, learn different areas of ministry, try it out, but you know what? As you try, you grow. And as you grow, you begin to develop those spiritual gifts. Are they given in, in their fullest mature state? No, absolutely not. But as you step into them, you yourself grow and you develop those gifts as well. And now in my life, and I feel like I'm in my sweet spot right here, utilizing my spiritual gifts at serving here at Journey. Yeah, it took time to get there. It, it, it took a season of development. But yeah, this is exactly where God wants me to be, doing exactly what God wants me to do. You know, these, these grace gifts that God that gives us, as Christ gives us, he mentions four here in this passage from Ephesians 4. One of them is apostles. Now, if you remember reading the Gospels, Jesus often had like a crowd of disciples that would say just, follow him wherever he goes this larger crowd but out of that crowd he chose 12 to be apostles and these men would then go on to lay the foundation of the early church in fact a couple chapters earlier in ephesians 2 it says that god's household god's church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets So, again, I want to differentiate between who the apostles were and being in an apostolic ministry. Kind of two different things. The apostles were the 12 that Jesus set aside and sent them out to establish the church. So in the strictest New Testament sense, there's no apostles today. They had their time, they laid the foundation. But all of us today have an apostolic ministry, Being, by that I mean living on mission, being sent out from the church to live on mission in our community and around the world. In in John chapter 20, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. So we are all sent as believers. We're all sent to live for Jesus and represent him where God has put us. But two different categories. So God gave apostles and he also gave prophets. Now, in the, a New Testament prophet, as we read in Scripture, is one who proclaims the Word of God. And along with the apostles, the, the prophets had this foundational ministry to establish and build the early church. But Then he also lists these evangelists. Evangelists literally, it means bearer of good news, bearer of the gospel, a person who brings the gospel. So the apostles and prophets, they laid the foundation. They were foundational. Now the evangelists then come along and build it. And they build it by winning the loss to Christ and bringing people into the church family. And evangelists are those people that just bring Christ to where he is not known. You know, we, we have evangelists right now. They have this ability to go and establish a church, build a church, Or where there is a church to bring people to them, part of the maturing and growing process. We think about our our day and time, you know, we have Billy Graham's and his son Franklin Graham. We have Louis Palau, guys like T.D. Jakes, who are just really gifted evangelists, who have a gift to communicate the gospel in clear ways, and God uses them to bring people to the faith. You know, within our church here, you know, I see many of you just inviting people into the church family, inviting them to come on Sunday, inviting them to come to different events. I mean, that's that's evangelism, just inviting people to be a part of this church family. And even today, we have unnamed and unsung missionaries around the world laboring for Jesus, to bring the gospel to people who have never heard of Jesus. And that's the gift of evangelism. But Ephesians 4 also mentions pastors and teachers. In the original language, it was literally one word. It's kind of hyphenated, pastor, teachers. So a pastor literally means shepherd, and the local church is often referred to as the flock of sheep in Scripture. Now, you might not have known that about yourself, but, you know, you are the flock of sheep, according to Scripture. So then the pastor feeds and leads the flock. And he does so... Through means of the word of God, the, the, the food that nourishes the sheep. So through preaching, through teaching, and leading, the church is built. So every generation has evangelists. Every generation has pastors and teachers. To use kind of a, a medical analogy, you know, evangelists are the OB doctors of the world. You know, they're gifted in bringing in new births into the church. Pastors and teachers, they'd be like the pediatricians, those who are keeping the church healthy and growing, making sure they're growing as they're designed. So each one of us is gifted for growth. But we're also, we're also equipped for growth. We're, we're gifted to equip other people. And by that I mean this, this equipping is a preparation for ministry. So that means we're not just receivers. We don't just get this spiritual gift that God has given and we develop it and it's like, all right, you know, this is all, all it is. No, we're given that to equip other people to build the church. Looking again at verse 12, it says he gives these gifts to equip his people for works of service. Literally, that just means to do ministry. You have these gifts to step into area of ministries and he equips us in a variety of ways and a variety of ministries that God uses to build the church. It's, it's everything from children's ministry and on Sunday morning, even to like making coffee and cleaning the church. All of these things are a part of building up his church. Well, verse 12 finishes, he says, he equips his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. See, when we step into this equipping that God has given us, then the church is built and strengthened. So, in other words, ministry isn't there just to make us busy. It's not just filling up our calendars with a lot of activity. Ministry is designed to build the church and strengthen the gospel impact that Journey Christian Church can have in this community and in this region. So that impacts how I approach my role as pastor. You know, I see my role as an equipping ministry, training all of you to do the work of ministry. So it's not just the paid staff on, on the, at the church that's doing the ministry, it's all of us as ministers of the gospel, employed and stepping out and doing and serving in the work that God has called us. Because you can build the church in ways that I can't. And by that I mean you have influence in other people's lives that I'll never be able to impact. You have your own sphere of influence and I might have mine and, and you can touch people that I can never reach. And you are equipped in ways that you know, aren't, I'm not equipped with. But every one of us is called to serve and be active in this endeavor of making disciples who make disciples. And that's really a key issue for the church, for the church at large and for Journey Christian Church. Justin, last week, he talked about as we mature, as we serve. As you go about ministry, we grow. And as we serve, we mature. And as we mature, the church becomes stronger. The church becomes more uh, with a greater ability to make an impact. let me ask you, Jeremy, how are we doing in that? How are you doing in in your own walk with Jesus? Are you stagnating? Or are you seeing growth? Are you doing those things in in your life to feed feed you, to encourage you, to, to grow in your own faith, to grow in your own ministry? Because as we do, our church grows as well. So to grow, for you to grow as a believer, it means being engaged in a ministry of serving others. Now, it doesn't happen just through listening to sermons alone. As incredibly awesome as you might think my sermons are, it's, it's not enough. And it's not enough just to drop your kids off at children's church on Sunday morning. Now, growth happens when we take seriously this call to be disciple makers to pursue disciple-making as a church. So in that regard, that, that means Journey is a training church, and equipping church, because we want to equip you to actually do the work of ministry, to do the work of making disciples who go on to make more disciples. And that, that idea lies at the heart of this whole series of sermons that we've been doing entitled Called. That's what this whole series is about, and that's why we're wrapping it up today with this, that that we are made for ministry. Now, throughout this coming year, we're going to keep coming back to that theme. We're going to keep revisiting it and keep bringing it before us and keep refreshing ourselves about what these guardrails are because we don't want to be pulled to one side. We don't want to get off track of what God has called us to be and do as a church. You know, do you ever do a home project, a DIY project, where you go and buy a tool or implement that's just a game changer? If you remember a couple months ago, I was telling the story about redoing the tile in my shower. Well, I started with a little handheld grout tool, and it was just this little blade about that along with the handle, and I started out going eek back and forth, and I realized, okay, this is not happening. So I went down to my local Baumgars, and I discovered that they make a grout removal tool for your oscillator, power oscillator. Picked one up, slapped it on my oscillating tool, and instead of going e e e it was like And it was awesome, it was amazing. And I, I put, put on this mask, put on goggles, and I shut the door, and I said, Dory, look out, here I go. And I just went to town and i got it done an amazing amount of time you know and that grout removal tool it was made exactly to do what i used it for to remove the old grout and you know what journey we are made for specific ministry you have a specific ministry a specific gift that god has called you to and just like that that grout tool we're not made to stay on the shelf and in the package Once I removed it, opened it up, and put it it to use, is an amazing thing. And what God can do through you is an amazing thing. We can have an amazing impact when we realize that God has called you to step into ministry. And you know what that first step looks like? That first step is an act of surrender. It's an act of surrender where you surrender your life to Jesus and say, Here I am, Lord. I give my life to you for you to use as you see fit. And that is my prayer for you today, that each one of you can say, Jesus, here's my life. Take me. I surrender it to you. I'm yours. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for just a scripture like Ephesians chapter 4 that that reminds us that you've made us and called us for a purpose. So, Lord, I, I pray for our church family here, that, that each one can step into that role of the ministry you've called and that as we do, we're not only growing ourselves, but we're strengthening the church as a result. So Father, help each one of us surrender, surrender to you so that you can use us as you see fit. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.